Hey demons, it's your girls. A weekly humor podcast where two childhood best friends discuss some spooky shit. Hey demons, it's your girls. <laughs> welcome back. I'm Alicia. I'm Shay. And welcome back to episode four. Demon yeah. possession. <laughs> the, the very I, you know, very appropriate for Christmas. <laughs> Okay, there's a snowman in the background. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just setting up the scene. There's a snowman outside, but it's dark and spooky, and there's a thunderstorm for some reason. And, uh, yeah, there's Christmas lights on the house. And, uh, yeah, it's Christmas time. <laughs> it's spooky time. Time to be possessed. <laughs> so, we hope you all can come and enjoy the demon possessions with us. It's going to be an exciting episode. <laughs> so, we have some uh, stories, some spook stories to tell. Yeah. Well, I ha- I definitely have a story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so do you want to do you want to go first with your story or, yeah. or should I? I'll go first with my little story. So, okay. my little story, it happened a couple nights ago. As you know, we've <laughs> been kicking our cats out at night when we go to sleep because they just cause too much havoc. Mm-hmm. Chevy and Boa are just too crazy, so we kick them out. Well, in the morning, if they if they hear my alarm go off, Boa will like sit at the door and meow and want in. And there was one morning where it must have been the weekend because the alarm didn't go off, but it was around that time. Yeah. So uh, he was outside of our door meowing profusely, and all of a sudden our door popped open. And in my sleep, I was awoken, and I was like, oh, God, there's a ghost. And it let my cat in. <laughs> that was my immediate reaction, was a ghost has just let demon <laughs> Boa <laughs> into the room. Um, but no, later on, I learned that he has, he has realized that if he pushes his weight on the door enough, he will just pop open the door. <laughs> so now we have to make sure that the door is firmly latched into its lock. Yeah, he's uh, figuring things out. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Now he's going to be able to bother us whenever he wants. <laughs> well, if it had been a ghost, it would have just continued your uh, helpful ghost. Yeah, the helpful ghost story? Because yeah. like, the ghost is like, oh, this little baby cat once in the bedroom. I will help it. <laughs> I'll just let him in. <laughs> Here you go, little cat. <laughs> Like, oh, why helpful ghost? That's not helpful. That's the opposite of helpful for me. You can change our toilet paper and change our light bulbs, but please don't assist our pets. (laughs) We don't need any of that. No. Maybe you should put a sign up. Like, the cat's an asshole. Don't don't help him. Yeah, I need to put up some, like, prayer thing that's like, please, helpful ghost, thank you for all you do. Please ignore the cats <laughs> and just continue doing what you do. <laughs> yeah. Except for that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's my ghost story. Well, my story may or may not be a ghost. We we have to see. So I talked about it in the podcast episode that got cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That my sister's home that they moved into, oh, I don't know, like five-ish years ago, yeah. Um, when she bought it, 
I think she went through like a, a friend who's a realtor and she was like, well, it's not like anyone died here. Right. And he was like, well, <laughs> well about that, about that. So I guess the lady who lived there before the family that they bought it from fell down the stairs and like, didn't die there, but like died right. at the hospital. So <clears throat> that did happen. But my sister, like, they bought it from this very nice gay couple who had a whole bunch of children that they mm-hmm. had taken in. And <clears throat> so that kind of paints a picture for her story. So she has two kids. And she said that last week, Wednesday early morning, per usual, my niece comes into her bed and, like, jostles her awake and, like, lays down. And, like, Amy's like, great, thanks. Like, now I'm awake. She's, like, yeah. trying to get comfortable and go back to sleep. And she told me, she's like, Shay, I was 100% awake. Like, I know I was not falling asleep. And because of, my niece was kicking her in the back, you know, yeah. and everything. She and was wide she, awake. Yes. But she said if she was laying there, like, you know, trying to get comfortable again. She heard from down the hall some child say, Mommy? Jeez. And Yeah. And she was like, okay, well, my daughter's here. Is it is it my nephew? So she was like trying to figure out where he was, but then when she sat like she sat up and looked for yeah. him and he was like in the bed too, asleep. Okay, so she heard a voice from down the hallway. Yes. And it was clearly um mommy, like a kid who had woken up from like a bad dream and was calling for their mom. Yeah. And like she swore to me that they have no dolls or toys that say mommy. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. Which uh-huh. leads into Amy said that they, one night, she basically got kicked out of her bed by the kids and went into my niece's room and, like, laid down. And the door to that room creaks pretty prominently, which is great when you have an infant that you're trying to get to sleep. But but she was laying there, like, trying to go back to sleep, and she heard the door creak. Like, someone was, like, jostling it. And so she sat up and looked, thinking, like, maybe one of the kids were poking their heads in in the room. Although... Honestly, those are not children that would, like, tentatively poke their heads in the room. Like, yeah. they're going to come in. They don't give a crap what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just going to bust in there. Yeah, so she looked and no one was there. And she's like, well, maybe they did just look and, like, went, went back down into the bedroom or downstairs or something. And she checked and they were still asleep in the other room. That's and weird. Yeah, and it's kind of like a heavy door. Like, they don't really move very – like, it's an old house. Probably yeah. built the 20s or the 30s or something. Yeah. And she said when my niece was an infant – like, and this was, like, she, she's, like, this is the first time I've heard something in the past, like, since about two and a half years ago. Because when my niece was an infant, she had gotten up and um, heard talking downstairs in the living room. And she thought, oh, well, Patrick, my brother-in-law, she's, like, well, he must be awake. He must be watching TV because they're awake because they have a, a baby. So yeah, she went downstairs to basically, like, see if he'd fallen asleep and, like, turn the TV off or if he had, like, let, like gone back to bed and, like, left the TV on. So she walked down the stairs and the voices stopped and the TV wasn't on and no one was there. That sounds terrifying to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, who's in my house? <laughs> my... My other thought is that, like, that would happen to me a lot in my parents' house. And I think that's also because you expect to hear something, so your brain inserts it. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes, like, when you listen hard enough for something, sometimes you hear it. Yeah. But I have no explanation to the mommy that just happened. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when when you hear something that clear and you're that awake, it's kind of... 
I don't know. Weird. Yeah, and I, I don't know. And Amy's not someone that gets, like... I mean, she can spook herself out, but, you know, she's not looking... Yeah. I feel like I yeah. look for this stuff, but I don't really right. see her looking for this stuff. Yeah, she doesn't seem the type to, like, be looking for it. No, and she was like... You know, I'm just telling myself it's, like, residual energy from, like, the family that lived there before that had all the, those kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm like, but they say that sometimes demons, uh, hi, you know, like, present themselves as small children. Right. They <laughs> do. so not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't helpful. This doesn't make me feel better. It's like, thanks for that little tidbit of information. That's just what sisters do. <laughs> Yeah, sisters, uh, sisters are there to reassure you about things you probably don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, but it did. It made me happy that she was like, I have to call Shay and tell her this. Yeah, I'd feel very honored if yeah. you know, someone was like, this made me think of you. <laughs> Even if it's uh, a this horrifying guy. event made me think of you. <laughs> hope, you hope that makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It, it it warmed my cockles. I, I would be honored. I am very honored. I, I wish more people would, like, call me to tell me those kind of things. Be like, hey, I think I have a demon in my house. I just thought maybe you'd like to know since, you know, you're into that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would like to know. And also, it tells me I shouldn't come to your house. So <laughs> I was going to say, if someone said that they had a demon or a ghost in their house, would you go to their house? Uh... I I, would... I mean, would you go out of curiosity to be like, is there actually a demon or a ghost in your house? Or are you just freaking out for no reason? I, I feel I'd like probably... I'd be one of those people who would go. I'd, be I'd like, probably yeah. go, but I'm going to pull Orion and probably stuff my pockets with, like, holy water and stuff. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, just in case. <laughs> like, I'm totally going to go see what happens. But I'm... I'm not leaving this to chance, man. I understand. So yeah. I, I'd want to go. I'd be, like, super excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, that segues into our next yeah. segment, which Maybe. is Demon Possessions. This is like a, a game show. <laughs> where you don't win anything. <laughs> Except a life of turmoil. I guess so. <laughs> Congratulations. So, yeah, I guess if we want to segue into our possession stories. Are you still there? Alicia, I can't hear you. Uh, Oh, (laughs) are you okay? What was that? Okay, now you're silent again. I'm sorry to think that this episode's cursed, Alicia. Wait, can you hear me right now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, so um, I'm recording on the Xbox. (laughs) So my controller died. Well, I'm glad that that's the explanation, because I was like, what's wrong with this episode? We can't even, like, <laughs> your computer goes down, or, like... Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, this episode is cursed, and we're not supposed to actually record it. Um, well, But like, we're gonna do it, anyway. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> I'm not gonna take this crap. Supernatural. <laughs> I gotta show him who's boss. Alright, All right, well... So, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Demon Possession! Brought to you by Shay! Okay, so a little bit of background on demonic possessions. I guess the oldest reference to demonic possessions um, comes from the Sumerians, who basically believed that all your problems, all diseases of the body or the mind was caused by sickness demons, which 
Sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. You could try and, calling into work and saying, hey, I've got a sickness demon. And then your boss would be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> is that covered under, like, FMLA, I wonder? Probably not. America. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I guess they had, like, um, like the priest who dealt with your sickness demons was costly, call, called something totally different than what they called, like, a physician who did normal like healing whatnot so that's so they were like a totally separate like they were totally separate practice yeah so there were doctors of the physical and doctors of the spirits yes oh all right i guess it's kind of what we believe like we have physician like medicine and then like religion is kind of at war in modern western culture nowadays so i guess that makes sense Uh, that makes sense yeah but like so I guess a lot of sh- shamanic cultures believe that demonic possessions and whatnot were more attributed to, like, vengeful spirits. It wasn't just, like, a sickness demon. It was, like, a vengeful spirit. And it was, like, a loose connotation to demon. Hmm. So they could be uh, the spirits of, like, animals or people that ha- you had wronged or Something like that. So it wasn't just like, oh, this is something totally separate. They didn't start off as demons. That it could be a spirit of some someone or something you had known in your life that is attacking oh. you because you were a dick. So so could it? So was it generally thought of of something? Let's say like an animal that had passed and is now afflicting you with its spirit. Yeah. Or okay. So I think we that's should all think about that before we flush goldfish down the toilet. That's a that's a that's a very interesting take on. It makes me think of karma almost. Yeah. Like how you treat other living beings is gonna eventually come back come back to you. No, well, it's the rule of three. What is the know? rule of three again? I forget. <laughs> it's basically, um, it's kind of like treat others how you'd like to be treated. Basically, your actions will come back to you threefold. So if you put good intentions out in the universe and treat people kindly, your kindness will come back to you threefold. If you treat people oh. poorly, um, it'll come back to you threefold. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think Everything. most religions have that do unto others, you know, kind yeah. of the golden mm-hmm. rule aspect. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and like, for Christianity, possessions are generally derived from Satan or one of his lesser demons. And yeah. actually, like, I found it interesting that, like, um, Catholic exorcists differentiate between normal <laughs> satanic or demonic activity yeah, and, like, extraordinary satanic or demonic activity. Really? And they actually have, like, six different forms of it that they, like categorize them by i guess that makes sense i i never really thought about it but i suppose it makes sense to have different sort of exorcisms depending on how bad it is i suppose yeah, yeah. i mean like it's i guess it's not a one like one thing treats all kind of thing right you're which... not gonna put a band-aid on a gunshot wound <laughs> <laughs> not gonna put a band-aid on satan <laughs> no you can't put a band-aid on satan <laughs> You're going to need some heavy-duty stuff for that. Maybe Satan needs a Band-Aid. That just makes me think that he himself has fell and hurt his knee, and maybe he needs a Band-Aid himself. Maybe this all could have been avoided in, you know, Christianity if God had just been like, all right, Satan, do you want Dora the Explorer or... (laughs) So, wait, are we just saying that God is bad about compromise? God's kind of a dick dad, I'm not going to lie. 
he's a little bit of an absentee father, and I don't really blame Lucifer for being upset. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, all Lucifer wanted was his attention, too. Well, he also thought humans were dirty little creatures. So, I mean... Yeah, but I mean, I guess if your creator made you this glorious being of light and then made these little creatures of dirt, I mean, <laughs> you might come to the conclusion that you you are a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and I and the, the creatures of dirt probably would agree with you. <laughs> but your creator is giving them like way more attention than you. It's it's kind of like I mean, when the I new baby comes around. To, I think I think God just needed to balance that a bit. He wasn't he, he wasn't very to, good. Uh, you no. needed to balance this time because that's it's like children it's like children when you cre- when you create your firstborn and then your secondborn or thirdborn or whatever you need to give them equal attention because sometimes when you have more children your firstborn might get jealous you gotta show <laughs> some fairness to them i guess it didn't happen now and now satan and his little cohorts are like we're gonna bully the humans <laughs> pretty much so, uh, before I um, started researching some of this, and I guess I didn't really find an answer, but I want your opinion on it. Okay. Um, do you, and I think it's obvious, someone who's religious or spiritual, do you assume that they're more prone to demonic possession versus someone who's, like, really skeptical about demonic beings? Like, has, have there been any known cases of skeptical non-religious people being possessed by demons i don't know that's a good question i didn't i feel like it would prove a lot more if a skeptic was somehow possessed yeah by a demon than someone who's somewhat religious yeah because like most of uh most of the cases i know of it's people who who grew up in extremely religious societies or were deeply religious themselves or i i'd like to think it's all mental illness but then then again, there are other times where it's like you're trying so hard to treat the mental illness and nothing's happening. And some of the stuff that people report happening is like, I don't think people can do that normally. <laughs> the, the one, the few things that surprise me are things that include speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that makes me wonder what the fuck is going on. Because you don't just wake up and start speaking. If you're some English dude, <laughs> you don't just wake <laughs> up and start speaking. Well, maybe you do. <laughs> French, <laughs> German, and Latin. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe they've... <laughs> part of me is like, well, maybe they've had some previous training and they're just saying the words that they know. But then another part of me thinks... Well, they know all of those. (laughs) You know, I just don't. I think that issue in particular, which I don't know how many cases there have been like that, where the person starts speaking different languages. I'm not talking about gibberish. I'm talking about language that people can actually understand. Yeah. Like, you're not talking about, like, glossolania, the whole speaking in tugs thing, which is just gibberish. You're talking about, like, oh, suddenly. Understandable language that someone could be like, oh, that's what they're saying. And I don't know why they're saying it but (laughs) yeah i suppose i mean did you want to go first with your story i guess so because i think i think uh you went first last time so i can go first this time okay my the story i picked i tried to find one that isn't like i don't know i I haven't heard a whole bunch about it Mm -hmm. um so i picked uh 
the Witch of Groton, which is Elizabeth Knapp, who was 16 years old when she supposedly was possessed. This happened in Groton, Massachusetts, which was part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony from October 30th of 1671 to January 12th of 1672, okay. which um, I thought this was interesting. It occurred 20 years before the Salem Witch Trials. Hmm. Yeah. So basically... So way before the whole witch scare was going on. Yeah. And... What I what I found interesting about this also was I mean the whole the way it was approached was interesting but when you hear about the Salem witch trials you think oh well gosh so many people died because they're like witch but yeah. this this girl didn't she wasn't killed like there there wasn't some big fervor that <laughs> swept through the town and so did her community know about her condition oh yeah 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 and it might have been because she was so young that she got away with it and it might have also been her employer because like like uh she was a servant in the household of samuel willard who was a prominent reverend yeah of groton um and groton was like overwhelmingly strictly religious predominantly Mm -hmm. puritan and held the views that women should contribute to the community labor so she was part of this very religious community she was a servant in the household of the reverend and i guess i guess like he was also known for his sermons specifically about damnation and obedience to god so you Mm -hmm. can imagine what kind of house that would be in that kind of society i mean just so stifling yeah. Um, but I guess when she became a member of his household, she began showing signs of demonic possession. And what is particularly interesting about this case is that, like, Samuel Willard actually approached it very scientifically. Oh. <laughs> which, for a Puritan reverend in the 17th century in New England, seems very strange. Very odd. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, of course, it is again the 17th century in Puritan New England. So, I mean, how scientific can you be? I guess he called in an actual like medical doctor on several occasions to try to like cure her. Hmm. And the doctor was like, uh, we don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, I think that's impressive, honestly. Yeah. From- and I guess. You know, it's interesting that he would immediately first go to, oh, let's call the actual doctors first before we approach this in a more spiritual fashion. Yeah. And we know the duration of this because once it started, he started like meticulously writing down her signs and like symptoms from like that Monday October 30th mm-hmm. until January 12th, 1672, when it like mm-hmm. drops off. Yeah. And we know about it because he um, sent letters, I guess, of, of this to uh, Cotton Mather, who I take it was like very well-known pamphleteer. And, and I think also, he might have also been a reverend. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he wrote about it or included it in his like book or pamphlet, the uh, Magnalia Christi Americana. Yeah. So everything we know, like Cotton Mather's account is based on the journals that Samuel Willard kept from Hmm. this time period. But I guess like when it started, she first like began to complain of like pains in her body, I guess like muscle aches. Yeah. And she would just grab certain parts of her body and like yell out about it and like complain and like complain that something was strangling her now would she be like satan has me 
Or <laughs> I guess not at first. At first, it was okay. just like these phantom pains, and then she would have like emotional fits where like she would cry and scream and like have hallucinations. And she claimed that she would see people like walking around her or a man floating above her bed, which mm. of course would make anyone hysterical if they saw that. Right. <laughs> Yes. And a lot of I them... feel like this isn't just this isn't just PMS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happening. Yeah, you don't normally like th- try to throw yourself into a fire because of PMS, but I don't know. Everyone has different <laughs> symptoms. Right. But I guess she she did try to throw herself into a fire at one point. Jeez. But I guess the first Sunday after like she started showing the symptoms, she started contorting herself. And it took, like, three or four people to hold her down, which is so interesting to me in, like, these possession stories. And I know when people are having seizures and stuff, you're just stronger because you have no control over your muscles and the strength you're putting into them. But if you're consciously aware of what you're doing, like, if this is an act, I feel like it'd be hard to exert that amount of force. Yeah, when it comes to the contorting, because there are other cases of demon possessions that mention that, I I, I guess I just wonder what's going on, because that's another freaky aspect to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they've... Because, the, I mean, the brain is a very powerful thing, mm-hmm. so I don't know if they've hyped themselves up so much that they can just do this or what exactly or if it's like a medical condition that's happening to them yeah i don't know but it's very strange and obviously creepy and i guess mathers uh wrote about that time or that particular fit like in the town of groton one elizabeth knapp was taken after a very strange manner sometimes weeping sometimes laughing sometimes roaring with violent agitations crying out money money Many, <laughs> many. As we all do. <laughs> As we all do when payday comes around. Yes. Her tongue would be for many hours together drawn like a semicircle up to the roof of her mouth so that no fingers applied unto it could remove it. Six men were scarce able to hold her in some of her fits, but she would skip about the house yelling and howling, looking hideously. They're like, they're like geez, but... Get yourself together, girl. (laughs) (laughs) You need to stop this right now. (laughs) Well, like, okay, so he wrote that she said money, money, which another account said that she yelled out, like, money, money, sin and misery, misery. This sounds like a song she's trying to make up. (laughs) Money, money, sins and misery, money, money, gonna get that payday today. (laughs) (laughs) We've totally misinterpreted. (laughs) That's our version. We should put that on Wikipedia. (laughs) She was actually trying to make up a song. No one understood it, so they all just said she was possessed. And okay, so dancing, they were trying to hold her down. So, (laughs) so you said that they were trying to pry her tongue from the roof of her mouth. I guess that's what he wrote down. If someone was trying to do that to me, I'd be like, "Stop it, bitch." (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to just get your hand out of my mouth. Well, if that's I, the case, would... why would you hold your tongue through your mouth for that long anyway? Like for oh, hours. So maybe that's just how she likes it. <laughs> how she likes to position her tongue in her mouth. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because I know I find it very know? comfortable. So how did how did they know she's doing it if her mouth is closed? Or would she just... Okay, 
Okay, wait. If she was making spooky face? If she was making spooky face, not with the eyes. I mean, her eyes would be open, obviously. If she was staring at you and she had her mouth open, that's spooky face. But Uh if she had her tongue at the roof of her mouth, you'd have to look kind of close, wouldn't you? Uh, Maybe. I I mean, I guess, I mean, if her tongue wasn't sticking out, if she would just... (laughs) fucking staring at you with her tongue on the roof of her mouth <laughs> i guess i guess i don't know i wouldn't be brave enough to reach my hand into a spooky face mouth and try to pry it down i i don't know i don't know what the motivation is here where they're like look here young lady you better stop this behavior right now i'm gonna get this tongue down on your mouth and you're gonna stop and she was just like no you ain't <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, again, it's very strange. I don't know why you would do that. Like, I don't know why a normal person would do that for hours. And then, like, that's why it's a possession. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Like, so they've been trying to do all this. So she's been freaking out and being weird. Well, so, whole, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, the whole time, like, the thing also about, like, Puritan culture slash religion was that, like, they, they, like, they relied on confession. Yeah. So this whole time, they're also, like, harassing her to confess her sins and like explain why she's doing this and like like about her you know meetings with the devil and if she had meetings with the devil and all this stuff and and i guess she's (laughs) under this pressure she gave the true and real occasion quote unquote of like her fits okay and her explanation was that the devil had frequently appeared to her in the past three years and offered her money, silks, fine clothes, and ease from her labor and other items of youthful fancy, particularly on her walks from the Willard home to her parents after work in the evening. And the meetings were infrequent at first, but had become a daily occurrence, which I'm just imagining this little Puritan girl walking back home and like fucking (laughs) Satan comes out of the bushes like, hey, little girl. (laughs) Hey. You want some fine silks and uh, ease from your manual labor? <laughs> okay. I'd be like, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> yes, sure. sure. That, that sounds great. So, so wait. So she said something about the, the travels between her work and her parents' house. She wanted to ease the walk. What was that? She wanted to... Ease from her labor, which is just like her her position as a servant. Oh, okay. So she was just tired of being poor. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, anyone can relate to that. (laughs) And there's some dude. Who knows if it's Satan? All right. Maybe it's some, maybe it's a creeper. Maybe it's a suta. (laughs) Well, then why would she pretend to be possessed? I don't know, because she wants to somehow run away with a suta, man. She could have (laughs) just fucking married him. (laughs) Well, maybe he was a man of questionable morals <laughs> did that sound time period-esque probably <laughs> you're a man of questionable morals how dare you talk to the 16 year old girl <laughs> even though you can marry her if you'd like <laughs> <laughs> but i mean this is puritan america i don't know what their age limit was on marriage so there probably wasn't a whole lot of they're probably like sure you can marry this 12 year old <laughs> this is america and who knows I mean, royalty married early, but they usually didn't consummate anything until they were older. Yeah. But yeah. So, okay. So she said that she spoke with the devil on many occasions, or she con- consorted with the devil so that yeah. she wouldn't be as poor. Okay. Um, so what else? I guess, like, she continued to have, like, the fits and see the devil and other spirits until, like, November 28th. 
And then she supposedly had a fit lasting 48 hours. Again, why would you fake that and how? Like, that seems very uncomfortable. Yeah. But afterwards, she went into a catatonic state until the night of December 8th, which, again, why would why would you fake that? I don't know. So, so after that, she had been, she, like, made a confession that she'd been assaulted by the devil various times and had, like, made a pact with him and, like, allowed him into her bed. Yeah. Um, and I guess she spent a lot of time, like, yelling at the minister. And it got to the point where, um, I guess he stopped writing for a little bit, and then they began again on January 10th, where he spoke with her and she told him that the devil had control of her body and that he was more powerful than she was and that she said that he also took hold of her speech and she had no control over anything that she was saying or doing and that the next night she went to like a hysterical crying fit and called for willard the reverend okay yeah and i don't know i guess she just cried and like carried on for hours until she was catatonic again on january 15th and and I guess that's when he ends his journal because he was like, uh, I'm going to leave this for people <laughs> who are more learned, aged, and ju- judicious than he was. He's like, I'm, I'm done with this. Like, I, he was like, obviously, I cannot handle this. So. I mean, good for him. to. It, it, At least he was able to recognize that. Yeah. He was like, least... you know what? This is a problem for someone else. Yeah, this is not my problem anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm done with this. Satan, we're not <laughs> I'm I'm done. You can <laughs> seek help elsewhere. I'm sorry. Yeah. And like what I think is kind of funny about that is <laughs> is that well not funny. What I think is interesting about it is that he he's like, I'm okay, why well, I'm washing my hands of this. Like I I have yeah. no I don't have the knowledge to deal with this. He's, he's not, not like equipped. Well, you're possessed forever, so we might as well throw you into the river and see if you drown like a witch. Like he didn't, you know, he kind of just left her alone. <laughs> So wait, he threw her into the river? No, I'm saying it's oh. impressive to me that like it nowhere in this oh. do they attempt to like kill her or really they, like, they don't just they don't ostracize her, her or anything. Like she's still a part of the community and taken care of as opposed to the Salem witch trials where they're all like right. you're all <laughs> you're all witches and you're gonna die. So that is interesting that they would just let her remain how she is and just take care of her because well, typically a community as we think of back then, would say, if you're possessed by the devil, you obviously must be fucking evil. So we <laughs> might as well just throw you in the river and be done with you and be gone from this community. Because yeah. we don't need any of that. Well, my theory is that because of her age and because of the fact that like she said her explanation of it, it, it kind of sounds like she kind of was like, it's not me, it's Satan. And... <laughs> I don't have control over myself. So anything, uh-huh. any like horrible thing I've said is not me. Like I'm just a young girl who's being, who was lured by sinful things by Satan and pity me, you know, like. Yeah. So did she ever, did she carry on with this behavior throughout her life or what, I guess what eventually happened to her? Well, that's kind of contested there's no real way to know after he ended his journal like what really happened to her there is two elizabeth knapps that were born in a similar time period and apparently were cousins hmm, okay. so the theory that like, there's one elizabeth knapp who married samuel samuel scripture and lived out her life as yeah. a wife and a mother and um you know died at, like in her 60s and seemed to be perfectly fine then there was a, this cousin who i think lived and died in the same town, and married Ephraim Philbrick, who was 
supposedly involved in the witchcraft story. So, I mean, that I guess oh. that leads to that. But genealogists and historians think that it's the second cousin who um, was named the same thing that is actually the witch of Groton. And I guess she, like the second Elizabeth, married Ephraim, had no children, and died not long after she got married. So mm. she died pretty young still. That's pretty sad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that that's probably what happened is that, that it was this cousin and not the first one. Because yeah. I, I guess a lot of like the family genealogists who look into it, they were like, well, we find it hard to believe that this first Elizabeth who lived so long and had, had just like thousands of descendants yeah, that this wasn't written about later on. Like no right. one acknowledged this. It it seems like it would be weird. It wasn't written down in family history. Whereas right. his cousin, who had no children and died fairly young, like we don't know what happened to her, and yeah, they just feel like so. It's, it's more likely that she, yeah, it was her. Yeah, and I mean there are some possible. Like <laughs> I, I tried to look into what people think the causes were for this mm-hmm. and everything. Which Willard, the Reverend, he he wrote in his journal four points of why he thought that it was a valid possession case. Which what he was were a, his points? He was a Puritan minister, so I mean, I guess we have to take it as a grain of salt. But yeah, his first point was that he didn't think it was fake because her distemper had like no way to be faked because he okay. thought it was physically impossible to, for her to fake her actions. Yeah. Considering the comatose state and her strength and everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Which that's always get, that always gets me too. So I okay, I guess I understand that one. The second is uh whether or not her her actions were like her natural actions or like diabolical in nature. Which he thinks because of the length of her like convulsions and her fits, he didn't believe that they were of like a physical origin. And then his third was that uh, even though a lot of people were skeptical that the devil was talking through her, he was convinced because he stated that on several occasions she spoke with her mouth closed hmm. and that her throat okay. would swell up and that the voices he heard were not Elizabeth's voice. She could just have been a very talented ventriloquist. <laughs> She was a young woman of many talents. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the, I guess his fourth his fourth point was the one that he had doubts about and that was that she made a pact with the devil. Um mm. because I guess her stories about it changed a lot. Like what happened during those meetings changed a lot and yeah. and everything. So he he was unconvinced that she actually had made a pact with the devil and that that might have just been something that she was saying. Right. Um, that's interesting that he was doubtful of it. Yeah. Well, and what was interest like what is doubly interesting to me is that he went on to give sermons in the village uh-huh. of Salem during the trials and uh-huh. used this case. He he discredited evidence of conviction for several of the women during the trials and stated that they should be held in a fair and legal way. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, I mean So this man, this spiritual man, was actually very level headed about everything. Oh, yeah, it seems like it. I mean, he he seems like he really thought about it and he didn't feel like it was her fault. And he, I don't know, gave. I think that's interesting. And it's uh, kind of admirable because usually in I feel like in most cases of demon possession, when there is like a spiritual leader involved, I feel like plenty of them think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably Satan. (laughs) (laughs) They, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of them don't really, or I'm sure some of them have their doubts, but they seem to play up the whole Satan demon card. Yeah, which 
I don't know. I mean, he might have just, he might have just been very well aware of the environment this was coming from, which honestly, I think that's what was happening here. Cause I guess like witchcraft at that time was not like an idol belief. It wasn't like just a superstition. Um, It was believed by educated individuals. Um, Uh Like the colonists viewed the presence of witches as a sign of like the wrath of God. And from a Puritan perspective, like Elizabeth's possession was more of a result of her discontent with her status in life and her social order as a servant. And that like her, um, like had, like basically they believed that like, if you were discontented and you were unhappy, that you're more likely to be possessed. And that if she had not been, discontent with her financial situation and her work uh-huh. and her limited like life trajectory that she wouldn't yeah. have become possessed so yeah so if she just if she just stuck to it and worked happily in her life and did not want for more she would have been fine yeah i guess so i think but isn't like... that like a very puritan uh mindset of just work hard and don't worry <laughs> about your lot in life. Just work hard. Enjoy your work, servant. Yeah. <laughs> and do your best. And and you will be graced with many great things. Yeah. And she was just like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, even, okay, even if you think that she, because basically once this started, she was no longer just like a 16-year-old girl. She wasn't a servant. She yeah. was, like, released from her, like, manual labor, uh, and now she has, like, a place in Puritan society that does not involve being someone's servant. Like, now she is someone yeah. who is interesting and important. So, even, right. I mean, even if you think, like, okay, well, she's faking it because she knows this will happen. I don't know. I also kind of feel like because of just the oppressive nature of that society... And because of, like, the strict religious aspect of it, I do think that sometimes people, when they are just so beaten down and, like, have no prospects in their mind and yeah. are probably depressed, I think it could have been a mental breakdown where, you know, she just so felt so confined that she was acting out. Whether or not it was intentional or not, I don't know, but I think that could happen. Yeah, I agree. I don't know, someone also suggested that Huntington's disease could have explained it, but I don't think that really, I don't think that's an answer. Because Remind, Huntington- me, what, remind me what Huntington's disease is, because I know, I think someone told me about it before, but now I can't remember. Um, it is basically a, um, it's basically like an inherited disorder that results in, like, the death of brain cells. So, it's like a neurological disorder. Um, yeah. And it often starts with, like, mood or problems with, like, mental abilities and, like, a lack of coordination and mm-hmm. everything. So it's kind of like Parkinson's in that way, where you'll start noticing just very subtle, like, a lack of physical coordination. And you might, they might be more forgetful, more moody. Um, it eventually leads to dementia. And people tend to die between the ages of 30 and 50. That's sad. Yeah, it is. It's a terrible disease um it is a death sentence essentially i mean there there is no cure for huntington huntington's at this point yeah so but i can see how at that time period if you did have huntington's you probably would look possessed especially as you decline into dementia you know you wouldn't be yourself anymore yeah people probably would be like yeah she's possessed by a demon 
Yeah. And I guess, you know, if it is the second cousin, you could say, okay, well, maybe maybe she did have Huntington's because she did die fairly young after she got married and, and she was just gone. If it was the first woman, I don't believe that she could have had Huntington's as an explanation for that. Right. Just because so it she seems like, so long. yeah, like she snapped out of it and got married and had children and seemed fine. So <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm fine now. Yeah, like no one wrote about her again. So she clearly didn't have another episode. But uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, just the fact of the time period and how it was approached, that's why I picked this case. Well, I thought that was really, um, it's definitely an interesting case. Thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to your case because I know a little bit about what. Yeah, I was going to ask if you knew a little bit about my case, which is about a gentleman named Michael Taylor. I tried to avoid it. I wanted to be surprised. <laughs> I tried to avoid it. Okay, well, Mr. Michael Taylor, let's see, he was living in Osset, West Yorkshire, England in the 1974 year. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he lived with his wife, Christine Taylor, and they had five children and a pet poodle. He made his living as a butcher, and apparently he was prone to depression because hmm. of a... Um, like a back injury that he had at one point, and it kind of gave him chronic pain throughout his life. And it's said that he wasn't, he and his family weren't particularly religious, which I guess is partially why I asked you earlier about, like, if you believed, like, skeptics could become yeah. possessed. I guess this, the town that he lived in was very super religious, but he and his family weren't necessarily until a family friend introduced them to... I guess her church and a Christian fellowship group. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> On a journey. <laughs> so, so he and his wife became part of this Christian fellowship group. And um, this is one of those groups that would like to speak in tongues and oh, to exercise okay. the sins from people. So Baptist? Yeah, I guess. Is it Baptist or is it someone did, in a comment on one of these videos, they were like, oh, he's not, he, he's not possessed. He's just Pente Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, other <laughs> Baptists tend to do more of that. But yeah, Pentecostals too. Yeah. So, I guess it came to be that Mr. Michael Taylor became enamored with their group leader. Her name was Marie Robinson, 21 years old, mm -hmm. kind of a young, beautiful lady <laughs> leading this group of crazies. <laughs> and so he began attending the sessions pretty frequently. And supposedly they would engage in private sessions where they would private stay up all sessions. Yeah, <laughs> private sessions where they would stay up all night. Well, making the sign of the cross to each other in sure. order to ward off the evil of the full moon. Sure, Jan, that's exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine going home and being like, oh yeah, we were up all night just making the signs of the cross to each other? <laughs> Me and a 21 year old girl. Wife. Yeah. His wife was probably like, so where were you? Uh, well, me and Marie Robinson, we were up all night making the sign of the cross to each other, by the way. Not Don't worry, that. sweetie. <laughs> I'd be like, what? <laughs> all right. So anyway, it's said that, that during all this, his home life and his behavior started to deteriorate. So he seemed to become more depressed and he seemed more irritable and argumentative. 
probably because he had the hots for this girl and he's at home with his wife and kids <laughs> when he could be out with Miss Marie Robinson <laughs> making the sign of the cross. <laughs> so eventually, at one point in one of their sessions, um, his wife, Christine, uh, basically came out to the group and was saying that Michael Taylor's desires for their group leader were of a carnal nature. Well, so basically she came out and she's like, I think my husband has a hots for our group leader. I don't think they're just making the signs to cross at each other. (laughs) They keep having private sessions. and I don't think it's just (laughs) trying to ward off the evil of the full moon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so, when this happened, so Michael Taylor flew into a rage during this session. And, uh-huh. he, of course, because his wife is coming out and being like, hey, something <laughs> creepy's going on. <laughs> I think you're uh, not, I, I think you're making the sign of the horizontal cross. <laughs> the horizontal cross. The horizontal <laughs> cross and sometimes the vertical cross. <laughs> Yeah, so he got pissed, obviously, and he admitted that he felt like there was an evil within him, and apparently he became so angry that he took on the appearance of a beast, uh, and and he started verbally, for whatever reason, he didn't attack verbally attack his wife, but he started verbally attacking Robinson, well, that, the okay. group leader, probably because he's like, oh, I bet she's making me lust after her. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't telling a man who respects women in life. <laughs> She's so hot <laughs> that it's her fault. That's some anyway. uh what's what's the what's the guy from um yeah, that's some uh that's some Claude Frollo shit. <laughs> Claude Frollo? What did he say before? That well, that's from the from the hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't watch that movie. Oh, <laughs> I'm probably, like, the one person on Earth who never watched that movie. He basically wants to kill Esmeralda because she's too hot. <laughs> oh, yeah! Is he the weird... He's not a priest, is he? Or is he a priest? Uh, he... But doesn't he stand in front he's of a fire? Cheating. Yeah. Yeah. He stands in front of a fire and he's like, she's too hot! <laughs> and then the fire has, like, some sexy lady come out of it. And he's yes. like, oh, God, my desires. <laughs> and, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Basically, that's the card he's pulling right now. He's a Frollo. Yeah. Don't be a Frollo. No, don't. If you have if you have the hots for someone, just admit it and then apologize. <laughs> just admit it and apologize. <laughs> Basically. Is that what I like? mean, if you can, obviously, if you can't be with them, then just admit it and apologize. <laughs> so, anyway, so... I guess, I guess while he's having this argument with Marie Robinson, he tries to, like, physically attack her. Uh-huh. And um, the church people have to hold him back. And Miss Robinson later stated that, I suddenly glanced at Mike, and his whole features changed. He looked almost bestial. He kept looking at me, and there was really a wild look in his eyes. I started screaming at him out of fear. I started speaking in tongues. Because I'm sure that helped. And and Mike also screamed at me in tongues. And I was on the verge of death. And I seemed to come to my senses. I knew that only the name of Jesus would help me. And I just... I don't know why she has a southern accent when she's English. But sorry. (laughs) Uh, I started saying over and over again, Jesus! While Christine heard me calling 
on the name of Jesus, she started saying it too. And I believe firmly that it was only by calling his name that I was not killed. So she was saved wild. by Jesus. What's that? He's wild. <laughs> it is very wild. So basically they're screaming at each other in tongues, which I'm sure that helps the situation. And then calling on the name of Jesus saved her, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so, so after this incident, Michael Taylor later claimed that he had no memory of what happened, as most people who are possessed do, because they don't know what they're doing, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the Christian Fellowship Group, they eventually forgave Michael, because they're like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess that's in their nature. They gotta forgive him. <laughs> um, but his behavior continued on, and he just kept being weird and outbursty. So they decided that an exorcism should be conducted. Wait, because wait. That'll help. So is he still with his wife at this point? He is still with his wife. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's still with his wife, and they're still going to the Christian Fellowship Group. And um, ugh. and the Christian Fellowship Group is like, oh, well, he's still being kind of weird. So I guess <laughs> it must be demons. Naturally, yeah. it's demons. Well, you know, that's there's been a long, robust tradition of just thinking everything is the fault of demons. So I guess they have that going for them. Yeah. Like, there's no reasonable mind in, in my story. Like, there was in yours. And that's very sad, considering this took place in the 1970s. So the Puritan Reverend is more reasonable than this group of people. But you know, when people are in a group, sometimes they're stupider than when they're like just conducting themselves on their own. That's true. There is nothing more dangerous than humans in a group with like some weird ass beliefs. <laughs> yes. Oh wait. So repeat. When did, when did this happen? Uh, 1974. Okay. Man, the 70s were so weird. What was in the water? I don't know. It was a strange time. It was. So they decided that they were going to perform this exorcism, and it would be performed by Father Peter Vincent and Reverend Raymond Smith on the 5th of October, 1974, at Thames Church, which is in a nearby town called Barnsley, and um, it would end up to be an exorcism that lasted... From midnight to eight in the morning. Hmm. So it was a long ass exorcism. So during the exorcism, Mr. Taylor had to be tied to the floor because he kept scratching, growling, and spitting at people and trying to bite them, as one does. <laughs> That's what my kitten does. <laughs> He's just an angry cat. So. Um, and he would go into involuntary convulsions. And so to help with that, they would shove crucifixes in his mouth and douse him with holy water. And forced to confess his sins Good because Lord. that helps. <laughs> because <laughs> that will help him get through this. <laughs> um, so, throughout the exorcism, it's believed that 40 demons had inhabited Michael's body, including those representatives of incest, bestiality, blasphemy, lewdness, heresy, masochism, and carnal knowledge. <laughs> I don't know what carnal knowledge is. Is that just mean you know about the birds and the bees? Yeah, basically. It's, it's just basically sex. Most adults know, though. So, so I don't know how that's a sin. Well, it's a little, I mean, the rest of it's like, okay, that kind of is fits with whatever he did. But the Wait. incest one is particularly troubling. The incest and bestiality, those are creepy. But like, okay, so carnal knowledge, I would think that's probably the least of 
the demonic worries. If there's a demon of carnal knowledge, he's like, well, I got everyone, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can have this dude back. <laughs> so, so at 8 a.m. the next morning, because the priests are just so tired, <laughs> they decide to call it a day. But there's a problem. So they they cast out these demons. However, they made a cautionary warning that there's three demons left in Michael Taylor. Wow. (laughs) Okay, and get ready for this. Okay. So the demons they left for another day were insanity, (laughs) anger, and murder. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, we got to get rid of the bestiality and the carnal knowledge, but we can leave insanity and murder in there. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah. They were like, you know what? He won't, <laughs> he won't do anything with the dog, but <laughs> he just might murder someone. We're, and okay. I guess that's all right. I cannot <laughs> believe saying, like, saying that to someone, being like, so just so you know, we got, um, okay, that's like going into surgery for cancer and having to be like, okay, well, we removed your appendix and your gallbladder because you don't really need those. But we left most of the cancer in there. We'll come back another day to get it. I hope it doesn't kill you in the meantime. Yeah, it's like, we'll leave that for another day. It'll be fine. Yeah, so obviously, obviously the people, some people who witnessed this exorcism and, you know, were aware of this warning about the remaining demons kind of had a problem with sending him home. They basically told, they basically told Taylor's wife that they would do it the next day. They would finish up the exorcism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there was a, there was a minister's wife who was present at the exorcism. Her name was Margaret Smith. And she stated that she received a warning in her mind from God, <laughs> AKA probably just common sense. <laughs> In which the demon of murder would escape and kill Christine. Because when you leave the demon of murder in someone, they have the potential to murder. (laughs) I find it interesting that this woman couldn't have been like, hey guys, you said that you left the demon of murder in there. I personally feel like that's just a bad idea. Instead, she had to be like, listen, the demon himself slash God talked to me and said, this is a bad idea. Yeah. She was basically like, you really should not send him home. But they were like, ah, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. The demon of murder won't escape. We just opened the door and we just haven't closed it yet. (laughs) There is some stellar decision making going on in this story. Yeah, it's honestly, I feel like this reads like some weird, strange folklore, like a storybook. It sounds exactly like a horror movie because there's... Because there's times in a horror movie you're like, why are you making that decision? Like in Paranormal yeah. Activity, when the medium comes in and he's like, uh, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, wait, where are you going? <laughs> you got to finish this shit. Yeah. It's a classic things left undone mistake. Yeah. Those I are guess. some loose threads you do not want to just leave. Like, <laughs> right. So... So, okay, so so the exorcism stopped at 8 a.m. They sent Christine and Michael home. And by 10 a.m., Michael killed his wife, Christine, by strangling her to death with his bare hands and gouging out her eyes and ripping out her tongue and Ugh. ripping off part of her face. Oh, my God. 
And then he proceeded to strangle the family poodle <laughs> and and rip, ripped off its limbs as well. What? Wait, yeah. with his bare hands? With his bare hands. Good lord. And then the police later found him wandering around outside, butt naked, drenched in blood, and continuously screaming, it's the blood of Satan. Okay. So he was caught. (laughs) After, you know, the demon of murder appeared, I guess. (sighs) (laughs) So it wasn't a good idea to send them home. Well, okay, listen, if I was that guy's wife, I wouldn't have gone home with them anyway. No, I wouldn't have gone home either. I would have been like... You can go to a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I know home. I said in sickness and in health, but no one's anything about demonic possession. So, <laughs> This is where the line is drawn. <laughs> I'm outie. Yeah. Until yeah. tomorrow. We get rid of the three major fucking insanity and murder or whatever that third one was. <laughs> Anchor. Anchor. Anchor, insanity, and murder. Yeah, that seems like uh, the mixture for something definitely not good. I don't know. Well, all three of those together would be a powerful force, you would think. I mean, after he cheated on her, and then yeah. this happened. <laughs> hey, I we didn't know like if he cheated was... on her. He was making the signs of the cross. <laughs> Man, all those signs of the cross didn't save him from demonic possession. <laughs> It warded off the full moon, but it did not save him from demonic possession. (laughs) Okay, so obviously he was caught, and at the trial, he was basically deemed insane. (laughs) And so um, (laughs) he said he had no recollection of the murder, and that he had been under the possession of demonic spirits, and believed his wife was also demonically possessed. And of course, during the trial... It was pointed out that uh, the Christian Fellowship Group was more like a cult and that they (laughs) exacerbated Taylor's weak mental health as described as neurotics feeding neurosis to the neurotic, (laughs) which I would think I would think that would sum up what happened pretty well. Yeah, that sounds Um, pretty accurate. um, So he was found guilty of reason by insanity and um, he was clinically and legally insane. And um, he was sent to Broadmoor Secure Hospital for the clinic for the criminally insane. And then he spent two years there. And then he would later spend another two years at the Bradford Royal Infirmary before he was released back out into the public. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. So four years in total. Oh, my. He ripped the limbs off a poodle and killed his wife. And you let him out (laughs) after four years? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but don't worry. There was more stuff about him later on. (laughs) Um, So, well, it should be noted that throughout the whole trial, Father Peter Vincent, one of the one of the dudes who performed the exorcism, was adamant that Michael was possessed. He stated, I am quite convinced God will bring good out of this in his own way. However tragic it was at the time. Oh my god. (laughs) If the psychiatrist said this crime would not have been committed but for the exorcism, that seems a rather strange thing to say. People will draw their own conclusions. Yes, they will, buddy. Well, so after his release, Michael Taylor attempted suicide four times. And then in 2005, he was convicted of sexually harassing an underage girl. And then served a three-year sentence of community service and psych- psychiatric treatment. But then after that, we don't know what happened to him. <laughs> so, so wait, he could still be out there? Be out- yeah, he could still be out there. Okay, where was this again? Uh, Osset, West Yorkshire in England. 
And oh. I mean, he could be anywhere, I suppose, by now. But I'm oh. assuming he's still in England somewhere. I mean, yeah. I I mean, I I believe that like if you commit a crime, you should have the ability to be rehabilitated and sent back into society. Like you've done your time or whatever. But that's an individual that clearly had issues. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't think that someone who does things like that really is going to be rehabilitated. Like not with constant. So, like, you know, supervision that he's taking his medications and, and everything, you know? Yeah. I think when you're at, if this was like a case of severe depression or something going on mentally, then, I mean, it, it's pretty bad when that escalates to murder. <laughs> and, and, you know, like that reverend was like, oh, people think it was the fault of the exorcism. Yeah, probably, because you guys told him that murder was still in him. And so he's probably thinking, oh, well, I can murder. Yeah, well, even if even if he wasn't like... I feel like that's kind of a go-ahead. Yeah. Like, oh, and- you're, there's a demon possessing you and it's of murder, so you can go ahead and murder if you want. Well, and even if he wasn't thinking of it as like, okay, well, I have permission now, it'd be more like... It'd be more like a, I feel full of rage, and this is why, and I have no contract, uh, no control over myself because of this. Yeah. Like, it's almost, to me, it's almost like a, it's okay. You have no control over yourself, so go ahead, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you could wait for the next exorcism, or you could go ahead and just murder someone if you want. <laughs> That's how it seemed to me. Ugh. But, obviously... I feel like he started out with mental health issues, and I think joining that group made it worse. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're not mentally ill, you just have demons. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not what you should tell people. No. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, God, even that fucking Puritan reverend was still like, hey, we're going to bring in like an actual medical doctor to check you out. When the Puritan yeah. Reverend acts better than you do, maybe <laughs> you should take a long, hard look at yourself and your religious practices. Yeah. Maybe you should reconsider. It just makes me wonder, like, if there was anyone in that group who was like, this is fucking, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> like, looking into the camera like they're in the office. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Jim in the office. <laughs> they start speaking, like, arguing in tongues. And there's Jim. <laughs> Given that look. <laughs> that's how i would be i mean i wouldn't even join a group like that but if i did sit in on a group like that i'd be pretty i don't know i would be given that look a lot <laughs> the moment someone starts speaking in tongues that's when i'm just gonna be like uh, i'm out <laughs> yeah this is, this is outside the realm of my comfort zone i'm gonna leave now <laughs> if you're gonna start screaming in tongues at each other i'm out <laughs> you imagine being at a dinner party and having that happen Oh my gosh. I feel like, what the fuck is going on? I'd probably call the police. Yeah. <laughs> I was tuning in on that Christian fellowship group. And I guess if I'm, obviously, I'd be an outsider. But I'd be like, well, time to go to the police. <laughs> well, even if it was like, even if you were, if, even if you were Christian and were just looking for a new church and then you happen upon that, if that happened, I'd be like, do I need to call 911 to get like medical professionals <laughs> over here? Like, I feel like something's happening here that. <laughs> Maybe requires <laughs> medical attention? Emergency services? It's like, it's like in a video game where you have options. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a timer and you have to decide what you need to do. 
Although, to be totally honest, I probably just slowly back out and leave. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's that's one of the options. Leave. Like, I'm leaving you to this. I want no part of it. I don't know what's happening here. (laughs) Leave this situation and don't come back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, it's kind of sad that all of it started was just because a family friend was like, oh, you should get more out into the community. Oh, that's sad. And then here's this fellowship group, and I'm sure that their friend was just trying to help them. Yeah. Man, I feel like, so how, bad about how that friend. would you feel if you were that friend to be like, yeah. oh god, I set that in motion? I or, would never, I would never suggest meeting people ever again. I'd be like, just stay in your house. It's fine. Like, <laughs> you're fine. It's okay if you just stay in your house. Don't worry yeah. about it. I'm not judging you. <laughs> do yeah. what you gotta do, man. Yeah. That does make me feel better as an introvert. So basically, maybe Michael Taylor was an introvert who was forced to become an extrovert or, or like a extrovert in a church group. He wasn't in his he wasn't in his uh, optimal environment. Oh, well, that's one theory. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my theory is just he was depressed and I don't know. He got the hots for someone, <laughs> and he got hopeful or more depressed or something, and then he didn't know how to channel that. So instead of going to counseling. He decided to uh, to partake in the demon story. Well, that's just another example of toxic masculinity running rampant. <clears throat> yeah, that too. Well, I mean, he doesn't. I mean, I say that because you said like he didn't know what to do. Well, yeah, like, he didn't he know what to do. He couldn't categorize his feelings enough to go to his wife and be like, "Hey, I'm feeling unfulfilled in our marriage. I feel like we should yeah. talk this out." Instead, he's like. I need to go make the signs of the cross this woman and then get ragefully mad when it's brought up and I'm confronted with my poor behavior. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how the thing that I thought was weird was how he got angry at her, the group leader, instead of being angry at maybe his wife. I mean, I'm sure he was upset. Yeah, I'm sure he was upset at his wife for bringing it up. But then he got angry at the group leader. And I honestly, I mean, who knows what the hell happened between them. I don't know if, you know, this Marie Robinson, if she ever said anything to Christine or what, you know, who knows. Yeah, maybe he thought that she ratted him out to his wife. Maybe. Maybe she was just like, hey, we were making the signs of the cross last night. (laughs) And he just kept giving me these bedroom eyes. (laughs) So I just wanted to let you know. And then his wife was like, oh, no, he don't. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, maybe that's what he thought it was. Maybe he thought it was like a, I don't know, like a conspiring sort of thing to to corner him. That seems like the kind of man who would think that way. So, I don't know. I'd be interested to know more about, like, his background. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't find much about, I couldn't find much about his family, like, his childhood history, and then there wasn't really much mention of his children. So I don't huh. know. I think it, I think it was later reported that it, like, his home seemed to be, like, a happy one. But well, I, I mean, so was Dennis Raiders. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it doesn't really matter if your home's a happy one. You can still be a psychotic freak <laughs> in the yeah. end, I suppose. <laughs> but, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Well, I think it's I think it's interesting that like I said it seems it seems like he came from like a skeptic maybe he was a skeptic maybe he was just one of those maybe he was a religious person waiting to be discovered just waiting well I always <laughs> say that like <laughs> I always say that like I would have made a really good catholic if if someone had gotten to Pushed me in time you in that direction yes 
Yeah. Because I love, like, the ritual of organized religion in a lot of ways. I, I love, yeah. like, I love the rituals. That's what, that's what I said, too. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Judaism and everything. Like, I, I love I love their holidays and, and the way they have to perform. Well, not have to, but, you know, like, the, the performance of yeah. certain um, holidays and everything. There's certain there's a certain meditation to it, I feel like. Yes. In in the ritual aspect of it. Yeah. They just don't get with non-denominational Christianity. <clears throat> yeah. When, I mean, it just, it's just not the same. I don't feel, I feel the ritual aspect to it almost connect. It feels like you're connected yeah. somehow to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. At this point in my life, I definitely, like, I, they've, uh, I've missed. They've missed that <laughs> You've window. missed the boat. Like, yeah. If I did it, I would go into it knowing I'm enjoying it and enjoying the community, but I wouldn't totally believe in it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe because I've thought of that, too, because, I mean, like when people get older, they start to I feel like they start to want that sort of spiritual connection to some degree. And I mean, I've felt that, too, but I wonder I don't know what it would take for me to really believe Mm -hmm. because I'm such on the skeptic end of things that like I said I enjoy the the ritual process of it but I don't really fully believe in much of anything mm-hmm. I don't know I wonder if I'm like super owed I'll be like well time to turn to Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I just don't know I'm close to death so time to start uh, well, if all, hey if all goes well <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, you can accept Jesus or whatever at any time, right? Theoretically. Yeah, but you have to, like, actually believe it. You can't just be like, I totally accept you, Jesus, like, right on your deathbed. Because he'd be like, no, you don't. <laughs> I just imagine this Jesus standing next to you, giving you, like, the half-open gaze. <laughs> like, shaking his head. No, the you lying don't. The lying Oh, uh, and then me being in my deathbed being like, Haha, yeah, I'm glad you can still take a joke, Jesus. <laughs> and he'd be like, all right, sweet dreams. <laughs> Good times with Jesus. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's just interesting to think about. Yeah. Huh. Well, that, those are two di- very different stories of like how your environment can either contribute or exacerbate mental, like either... Either it can either open you up to something. I mean, if you believe that they were possessed by demons, then either how your environment can open you up to being more susceptible to that or else can exacerbate mental illness in a way that is just so over and above what we normally see to the point where we believe it to be paranormal. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's mostly a environment sort of thing. The people you're around and just the circumstances you're in yeah i don't know there, there are some stories i definitely believe that it could have maybe been those two i don't know that guy definitely sounded like he had some issues beforehand yeah i mean they weren't i feel like he didn't have extraordinary issues because i mean people deal with pain all the time yeah but then i don't know i, I don't know how you'd get into that mindset well thank god we don't know how to get into that mindset. <laughs> Well, thank God we're not there yet. <laughs> but uh, if we are, we'll get back to you guys. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I guess... I, this was fun. This was fun. Demonic possession is fun. It's always fun. <laughs> all back. Good times. Yeah. Well, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing more about uh, Christmas. 
We're getting yeah. more get more festive. Yeah, we'll be getting a lot more festive from here on out. Yeah. So join us again the next couple Sundays. Send us emails. Follow yes. us on Twitter. Send us an email. Feel free to send us an email at uh, Hey Demons, It's Your Girls Podcast. So H-D-I-Y-G podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter. Hey Demons, It's Your Girls Podcast. Or, or, you can, or you can message us on Facebook, on our Facebook group, which is also Hey Demons, It's Your Girls Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. If you have stories or uh, if you just, if you have a suggestion for us, we can uh, try to implement that or tell a story or whatever. Whatever you guys think is fun to talk about. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. We sound desperate. <laughs> we'll do whatever you want. As long as you stay and stick around and listen to our good, good old times. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> we'll see you next time. We appreciate you. And uh, you. stay you, spooky. Demons. Yeah. Stay spooky and stay safe. Stay spooky, stay safe, and stay cool. <laughs> don't get possessed. Yeah, don't get possessed. <laughs> it's probably mental illness, so don't worry. That's not good. <laughs> it's probably mental illness and there's help for that so <laughs> don't yeah you should seek help don't listen to the demons i'm probably gonna like fade out in this part <laughs> all right see you guys